welcome. This is Reverend Margaret Ernst, and you're listening to The Word is Resistance. This is a podcast where we explore what Christian sacred texts have to teach us about living, surviving, even thriving in the context of empire, tyranny, violence, and repression. We are in changing times, changing contexts, changing conditions, and yet the empire structures and mindsets of white supremacy and racial capitalism is strong and will continue to take all of our lives and work and prayer and words to bring down and transform our current realities into the new world that we dream of as people on the road of discipleship. Speaking of new worlds, The theme song that you hear is a recording of Dr. Vincent Harding's song for the freedom movement. It's called, We Are Building Up a New World. This recording is from a multiracial movement choir practice in Denver, Colorado in December, 2014. It was led by minister Daryl J. Walker, and we are so grateful to the Freeney Harding family for letting us use the song for the podcast. What do our sacred stories have to teach us as white people and as white Christians about our role in resistance in showing up in liberation and for racial justice? We ask this question because ever since we started this podcast in January 2017, we have said that we firmly believe in white Christians naming, claiming, and doing our own particular and vital work to end white supremacy. I'm going to be talking about some of what I believe that critical work to be now, four years and four days after Reverend Ann's first podcast for this experiment. The first episode of this podcast dropped three days before the inauguration of Donald Trump. And so now, here, after the inauguration this week, in moments of big change, I always like to go back to first things. I had the fortune to be a student at Vanderbilt Divinity School where Reverend Dr. Emily Towns, the womanist thinker, question asker, asker, and ethicist told us, always do your first works over. Do your first works over. In the first episode of this podcast, when we as white Christians said we were going to talk to other white Christians about the lectionary texts, to find a word to guide us in our work against racism. Reverend Ann was recording from her friend's recording studio basement, chased by chickens in a winter garden. It was a time when so many white people, three days before that inauguration, were asking ourselves, how do we get here? What's going to happen? How could this man have been elected? This is not us, we said. And in that first episode, Reverend Ann oriented us in this way in January 2017. She said, many of us have woken up in the last couple of years to the reality that people of color have been telling us is the truth of who we are as a country. White supremacy, class division, xenophobia, misogyny, ableism, homophobia and transphobia, systemic oppressions held in place through violence and benign neglect. This is who we are, Reverend Ann said but it is not all that we are. This week, there is a different president, just three days in office, whose election was made possible by black-led multiracial electoral justice work in places like Georgia and Wisconsin, and here in Pennsylvania on Lenape land where I live and where I'm recording from in the city now called Philadelphia. In backlash to the work that shifted who is in the White House, white supremacist militants tried to violently seize power 
to defy the democratic election just two weeks ago in backlash. So if you've got a feeling and you've got lots of feelings all over the map, trust me, you are not alone right now. Maybe you're feeling confusion, uncertainty, joy, contradiction. Maybe you're feeling boundless hope or bounded hope or some release. Maybe there's trauma pent up from the past four years and beyond and before that, finally opening up and showing up in a new way. Maybe you're numb. Maybe you're feeling a little freer, more imaginative, more loving. Maybe you're feeling closed off or cynical as hell. Maybe you're looking for guidance. Maybe you're grieving someone lost to the moral catastrophe of the pandemic that has taken 400,000 people here and 2 million people on our planet. Maybe you're desperate for a hug from someone you haven't touched in nine months. Maybe you're feeling the sun on your face. Maybe you're feeling what a member at my church said last night to a meeting of my church's governing body. Her name is Leslie Hamilton, and she's a black queer woman, poet and mama and change maker. She described her feelings this week as hope on a razor's edge. Hope on a razor's edge. Whatever you're feeling now, honor it, welcome it in. And let's talk about the good news. Let us celebrate the people in our lives who laid everything down on the table to get the 45th president out of the White House as our white supremacist in chief. And let's talk about what we must commit ourselves to the work ahead. Let's cast our nets deep and wide, like Jesus in the boat at Galilee. Let's keep catching ourselves. Let's catch ourselves and our people for the work of true freedom and belonging. We are here on the path of racial justice, on the path of healing from white supremacy, in the path of unity against the death culture of racism, and we're not going back. Let's do this. The word is resistance. As I write this, executive orders are coming in through the Biden administration that reflect years and years of people under enormous pressure and pain, bringing the discipline of organizing practice and direct democracy to life in people's movements and struggle. The day in and day out work of folks coming together and dreaming together, of saying what is wrong, saying what hurts and what we need, saying who we love and what we dream of, people in prisons, people in worker centers, in backyard barbecues, people in the streets, in congregations, in the park, on Zoom. I celebrate the work of movements that have centered over and over again with purpose and power and spirit, the survival of those who are most hurting. I celebrate black women and queer and trans and undocumented organizers who were not listened to before in social justice movements and organizations and institutions. 
the organizer whose organizers whose labor and vigilance and vision have made a way out of no way. I celebrate working class organizing. I celebrate white people finding their places in movements that make sense and that is in service to the collective work. I celebrate all the fits and the starts, all the small victories and the large ones, all the failures that meant we learned. Every moment folks kept going when the way forward felt too brambly and full of thorns or hurt to proceed. I celebrate faith that shows up as strategy and collective care. I celebrate faith that shows up as alignment and purpose, even when the way feels scary and uncertain and unclear and just darn frustrating. I celebrate faith that shows up in the discipline of relationships as a practice, not as perfection, relationships that build power. I celebrate what Charlene Carruthers calls principled struggle. Who are you celebrating? Whose struggle and survival has given you life and direction in the past four years? What have you survived and what are you celebrating about that? What fell apart and what has broken through? And how will this celebration impact your commitments moving forward about your role now, your work in liberation? That is what my heart is on today. How we use the joy and release and relief to make the space to get clear yet again on our role as white Christians in the work before us. What do we owe our friends who are not white and who are not Christian to say, we will do this work and keep it up for good. We will embrace our piece of the collective work with clarity, specificity, and with courage. The time is late and the time is now. The scripture text from this week is Mark 1, 14 through 20, when Jesus comes to Galilee just after his mentor in movement, John the Baptist, was arrested. In the wake of the trauma of that arrest, we hear Jesus proclaims the good news of God, saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Just weeks after white militants tried to violently overthrow the results of the election in our name, protecting our identity as white people and as Christians, I believe that repentance for the violence at the Capitol and the violence done in our names for 400 years can and should look like many things. One way it can and must look is getting more and more real with political strategy that can catch our people from the jaws of white supremacy. Our faith in the good news of Jesus Christ can look like doing our part to end white Christian nationalism that was at the core of the birth of this nation and which is stopping us from living collectively in a multiracial democratic future on a planet that we can all share. Our work is not the only work. It doesn't have to be at the center, nor should it be, but it is ours to claim and to bring to life. It's today work and tomorrow work. 
It's long-haul work. It's hard work, but it can be joyous work. Nicole Manginelli made a print, which I adore, which says, it is a gift to heal the harm of our ancestors. It is also a gift to heal our own. The good news is that we can and do have the power to undo the collective evil which runs in our bones and which was on display at the Capitol siege. We can and do have the power to undo the collective evil in our own minds that we were trained into. We can move away and we can move our people away from white Christian supremacy. We can continue to catch ourselves and bring our people out of a domination net and into a net of goodness and holiness and liberation for all. In the name of Jesus and every spiritual reality and way of making meaning that makes us come alive, we must claim that power to undo the harm and transform the harm. Let's find our places, each with our unique gifts, our relationships and our resources. Let's get in loving and resilient relationship with each other and get in motion with the same kind of clarity of purpose and wise strategy with which so many black and brown organizers and movements moved mountains under the conditions of Trumpian tyranny. Take a breath. The good news of a world without white Christian nationalism is real. It may seem impossible, but remember that the science fiction Ursula K. Le Guin said, we live in capitalism, its power seems inescapable. So do the divine right of kings and any human power can be resisted and changed by human beings. An adaptation of that quote for, for now for us to remember in our particular location is that we live in white Christian supremacy. Its power seems inescapable. So did the divine right of kings. Any human power can be resisted and changed by human beings. Seemingly impossible tasks is exactly what our faith is for. Please celebrate Black and Indigenous and people of color movements and individuals in your life who contributed to making this change in administration possible, often against the resistance of unsuccessful white liberal-led strategies against Trump. And with that celebration, please commit to continuing to support their leadership with your heart and your resources and your trust. I will use the rest of this time, because it's what we do on this podcast, to speak with you about context and strategy in an open invitation for wrestling and building together in a road in the road that lies ahead. I appreciate Ashley Woodard Henderson from the Frontline and Movement for Black Lives at Highlander Center reposting this comment from Joyce Wagner on the day after the attack on the Capitol. It is not fun to have to put our attention here. 
But if we don't, and if we don't take the rise of these movements seriously, of white supremacist movements seriously, we are operating with moral negligence around how our faith symbols are used for violence and hatred and for dividing and conquering. I appreciate Ashley Woodard Henderson from the Frontline and Movement for Black Lives at Highlander Center reposting this comment from Joyce Wagner on the day after the attack on the Capitol. Joyce Wagner said, we need to stop asking, how could this happen? And to start asking, where are their weapon caches? She's talking about the white militants. Where are their encampments? Where do they train? Who gives them money? What is their strategy? Or at least its next several steps. Ashley also posted herself this. She says, I lost track of how many times we've encouraged folks to take learning about white supremacists, nationalists, paramilitary forces seriously, to learn about their similarities and their differences, the multi-class dynamics, the populist tendencies, their relationships with electeds and law enforcement agencies and officers. I highly recommend in the book, In the Shadow of the Cross by Paul Kibble as an awesome resource to learn about Christian hegemony. White Christian nationalism, the belief in America as a divinely ordained nation for white Christians, is one which believes that if we continue to keep it that way, it glorifies Jesus. Let me say that again. White Christian nationalism believes that if we keep America, the white Christian nation it was intended to be by its founders, it glorifies Jesus. Now, I want to study and keep studying that book and resources to see how I norm Christianity in my daily life. And I also want to learn with you specifically about what groups there are that are organizing this direction, how they are funded, how we stop them, and how they are catching their people. There is lots of reasons for the rise of these specific far-right movements. And I'm going to include some favorite resources on that we can unpack together. I also encourage you to watch the recording of Dr. Robin D. Kelly's webinar with Surge on back, white backlash and look to the work of Political Research Associates online for some deeper dives. It's also important to say that just like there are different strains of COVID, the COVID-19 virus, there are different strains of white supremacist ideology currently in operation. Some do not claim Christianity. There are neo-pagan forms. We saw that with the Vikings that were on display at the Capitol. There are forms that are atheists. But what's most important is that their uniting factor, their shared and common struggle, if you will, is white supremacy. I am not an expert. I am a co-learner, and I want to credit Tristan Call and Brenda Perez, two dear friends with whom I intentionally learned more about white nationalist movements as we prepared for counteractions to a white supremacist rally in Shelbyville, Tennessee. And I also want to give due and credit to the good, good work of the Catalyst Project Political Research Associates, like I mentioned before, and a course taught by David Ferris and Alandria Williams from People's Hub on the global rise of the far right for helping to me understand what I do know about these movements. These spaces of education and talking plainly and clearly about what's happening are critical. There's some myths that are important to dispel. Number one, white supremacist far-right movements are not 
a working class movement. You can see an article about this shared by Catalyst Project in, in the resources. White, many white supremacist groups are both attractive to and funded by upper middle class and high wealth people. I will never forget how in Shelbyville in Tennessee that day, the groups behind the, white, the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville came late because they had paid for charter buses to transport them to the working class community of Shelbyville, where they thought they would get sympathy among poor white people. Then they were only to be met by 800 counter protesters from that community and from the broader area who drowned them out. We must help build working class led movements and yet we do so not because racism is exclusively a problem of the white working class, but because multiracial working class power blocks the strategies of white supremacist elites. Number two, the, another myth to dispel that's important as we learn and think and talk and strategize is that this is not a solely Southern based movement. Long before Trump, there were more white hate groups tracked by Southern Poverty Law Center here in my state in Pennsylvania, north of the Mason-Dixon line, than nearly in any other state. A small case reminded me of that this week when I heard on the radio that the woman who was arrested for stealing Nancy Pelosi's laptop is from Pennsylvania. The uniting factor of the white supremacist symbols of the Capitol siege and in movements online and other places from the Auschwitz to the Confederacy, the uniting factor of those symbols is a shared commitment to white supremacy, not a shared commitment to Southernness. Third, it's important for us to understand that these movements are male-dominated and patriarchal, and they have effective strategies to appeal to white women through their protection of whiteness and specifically through Christian values. There are some groups that are more explicitly sexist and anti-woman than others, uh, though like in many forms of fascist movement, there is an emphasis on a so-called real masculinity, being real men. This is important to, for us to make sense of. Four, white Christian nationalism has lots of groups and factions. Like in any political and ideological movement, these factions are constantly shifting, changing, forming, reforming, and evolving. Leaders rise and fall. They fight each other. They disagree on strategy and tactics. When I was living in Tennessee, we closely traced the moves of Matthew Heimbach, a neo-Nazi leader who became the locus of infighting and internal dramas that ultimately brought him down. Number five, it's very important, I think, as Christian pastors, as people who care about people's souls, for us to take serious note of how people are finding belonging and a sense of community in far-right white supremacist movements, and in many expressions of that, closer to the mainstream and to the center. Have you seen the viral videos of Proud Boys making pledges to Western chauvinism? Does it strike you like baptism with the commitments that they make to each other? Making people feel like they belong within whiteness, Christianity, masculinity, or all of the above has been a strategy of recruiting young people on college campuses and on the internet into their movements. We must not forget that Donald Trump at the Capitol, before the Capitol attack, told people that he loved them while they incited them to violence against lawmakers. Some groups and far right leaders 
It's important for us to know that some groups and far-right white supremacist leaders believe in violence as a tactic for gaining power, and others don't. We learned that in preparation for the Shelbyville rally in Tennessee, that it was the groups that thought that the violence in Charlottesville went well who'd planned the rally in Shelbyville. And finally, here's the sneaky part. There are white nationalists who adamantly deny that they are racist. They deny that they are racist, and we're seeing this in general as a narrative on the right. And there are groups that boldly proclaim white supremacy loud and proud. There are white nationalist groups that say that they are for the segregation of the races um, and for not mixing races, but ultimately all of this ends up in a vision and a view and actions of white dom- of a white domination state. But some of their ideologies can be used and described in ways where they claim that they are not racist, almost like a post-racial white supremacy, which is a strange, ridiculous construction of our times. Nicola, two weeks ago, told us that community is the antidote to despair. As my friends at Workers' Dignity in Nashville wrote after the riots, movements are the antidote to white supremacy. What kind of movements? How do we think about movement building as white Christians to catch ourselves and our people? How will we think about it? Who will we look to? Who will be our guides? How will we get in the alignment? There are lots of places we can start, and I also don't want to pretend this work has not already begun. So much of it has and is in motion. This is a spiritual fight and a cultural one and a political one. We will need our power maps and our prayers, our pastoral listening and our prophetic speech. We will need our media tools like this very podcast. We will need our ministries and our minds. We will need our media tools like this very podcast and our writings, but most importantly, our relationships intertwined in a collective way towards specific ends and means. We will need winnable goals now and to be rooted in the depths of our biggest, wildest dreams. If what black-led and brown-led movements made possible for getting Trump out of power was possible, I hold the faith that we can end the nationalism done in our name of our own faith tradition. I believe we can become good ancestors. I believe we can follow in the way of people's movements and of Jesus for a shared future. That's some damn good news. As you learn about current expressions of far-right, white supremacist, Christian nationalism, how it shows up, how it pulls people in, and what it has to do with our own lives. I don't want to pretend this is something far outside of ourselves, right? These are our families, these are our schools, these are our churches, these are our pastors. It is us. It is us. And yet it doesn't have to be us. Jesus shows us the way out of supremacy, not into it. So as you learn, as you ask questions, as you think critically, as we have all of the conversations we need to, let us also take action to fight for the BREATHE Act, a policy platform put forward for the movement for Black lives in honor of Black people whose lives were stolen by police and other state-sanctioned violence. You can learn more and become a community co-sponsor now at breatheact.org. 
Also, please, with your faith community, check out Surge Faith's Community Safety for All Toolkit to imagine a world without police. Thank you so much to Max Pearl, as always, for sound editing. And thank you all for joining me today. Resources and steps for action are available in the transcript. Bye for now, and let's do this together.